Good morning. A simple quarter, a simple flip of the coin. You've probably done it lots of times before in your life, right? What do you think it is? Do you think it's heads or tails? Heads. All right. I'll make you a deal. Let's do best of three. All right. You don't have to say it out loud each time. I want you to keep up in your head. All right. How many you get right out of the three? Okay. Tails. I know you can't all see that, but you got to trust me. And you got to be honest if you get it right. I know I shouldn't have to say that in the middle of worship service, but you got to be honest. All right. Tails is the first one. All right. Tails. Heads. Tails, tails, heads. All right, now, you can show your hands now. How many got two out of the three right? Anybody get two out of the three right? All right. How many got three out of the three right? All right. If you got three out of the three right, someone might say that you're lucky, right? A simple flip of the coin, true 50-50 odds, and somebody might say you got lucky. I heard a preacher tell a story recently about his grandmother who had passed away. He said that he got ready to do her funeral, and his grandparents had been married for 70 years, 70 years when his grandmother passed away. He was standing over the casket. He was getting ready and prepared to do the funeral, and a person walked up who was a family friend who knew, knew the family, knew his grandparents, and said, boy, they were sure lucky. 70 years. They must have been lucky. He said, of course, at the moment, he said, yes, absolutely, they were lucky. But the more he thought about it, he thought, I don't think they were lucky. They weren't lucky. It wasn't a flip of the coin. He said it was a flip of the will. Of course, someone telling a story recently of grandparents who had been married for 70 years realizes that they had been born during the Depression. They had lived through several world wars. They had raised kids. They had had jobs, probably lost jobs. And it wasn't just luck. It wasn't just the flip of a coin. It was work. It took effort to get through that. You know, I remember being a teenager and hearing in youth days and Bible camp and in devotionals and things that the divorce rate in our country was 50%, right? That it was around 50%. And, and I even think that, that nowadays, to some studies, it's come down a little bit. Although I also read this really weird article this week. It just kind of happened by accident. It was about modern monogamy. That there's this term now called modern monogamy where... You maybe are in a relationship with one person, but only for certain seasons of your life. You know, maybe in your 30s, you're with one person, but knowing that you would split up eventually because when you turn 40 and your life changes and your outlook changes and you kind of change, you might be ready for, for someone else. So that's, that's the idea of modern monogamy. Well, if you're practicing that, then divorce rate's probably going to come down because people maybe aren't even getting married per se. But I remember hearing that it was 50%. That's the rate of divorce. It's a coin flip of whether or not a person is lucky or whether or not the marriage lasts, but that that's just the way that things go sometimes. I don't know if that's true or not, but when we think about marriage, I love that story from that preacher to say that it's not just the flip of a coin. That yes, maybe in the end they got lucky, and we can talk more about that in just a moment as we go through the lesson, but they didn't just get lucky, they worked hard. They worked hard, and maybe in the end they look at themselves and at their life and their marriage, and they say to some extent, yes, I'm lucky. But it's also more than just a simple flip of the coin. We're going to talk a little bit about marriage all day today, including this afternoon. We're going to focus in on one lesson in particular. But as we think about that, we need to understand that marriage is an institution that is founded and created by God. 
See, I think the world oftentimes forgets that. They kind of miss the mark when it comes to talking about marriage. The marriage is something that makes us feel good, that causes us to, to feel a certain way. It's what we want. And they forget that marriage is an institution that is founded and created by God. And because of that then, marriage is therefore also regulated by God. It's also regulated by God. When I think about marriage, I think that marriage is probably one of the great decisions of this life that we sometimes set to the back burner, right? Or we sometimes leave to luck. We leave it to chance. We treat it as, as if it is just a flip of the coin, when instead the picture of the Bible is that marriage is something that God created, that he instituted. In fact, we sometimes say, we talked about it Wednesday night in our Bible class, but in some ways the church is the oldest institution in the world because it was in the mind of God for all eternity. But at the same time, the church was established on earth in Acts chapter 2. And thus, when we think about the institutions of the world, government and the church and marriage, marriage goes back further than the church when we look at the Bible, right, in one sense. And so this morning what we want to do is examine a few things about marriage. And again, we're going to come back this afternoon and examine a little bit more about marriage and the way that God has regulated marriage. But for this morning, let's notice a few things together. Number one, and first of all, marriage is important. It's absolutely important. And maybe that is where the problem became to exist in our country today and even among the mind of Christians is we relegated it back to something that's not important. Something that's not important. I do believe, of course, as I think you do, that first and foremost, the, a person in this life becoming a Christian is the greatest decision that a person can make. Because marriage is great and wonderful, and we're going to get through it, this, through, through it this morning and today, but not everyone's married for various reasons. Sometimes people are not married at all. Sometimes people are married for a time, then they're not married again. So becoming a Christian is, is most important. But right behind it, I think, is marriage. When you look at the Bible and you think about it, the Bible actually begins and ends with a wedding, right? We know very importantly Genesis chapter 2 and what's going to kind of be our focus through several points today. The Bible certainly begins with a wedding. But do you remember in Revelation chapter 21, before we get to the verses about no more tears and no more death and no more sorrow, which are important and wonderful verses... The first few verses of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21 talk about Jesus and the church and the church being the bride of Christ. That's not the only place, but I do find it interesting when we think about marriage being important that the Bible begins in one sense and ends in another sense with a wedding. I think that tells us that marriage is certainly important to God. You think about Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 through 33 that Paul uses this wonderful example about Christ and the church, again, and husbands and wives, about marriage. I know that Paul is guided by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but I have to think that if he was sitting around as a human and going, well, what could it be? What could I use to try to help people understand the importance of marriage and husbands and wives and their roles? I think marriage would have to be it, the Christ and the church and marriage. Help us understand those things together. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 8, and we're going to focus in on Matthew chapter 19 in particular this afternoon. But in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 8, God's, or Jesus here says that God did not desire divorce from the beginning. Back to the idea of Genesis chapter 2. And knowing that God's plan was never 
for there to be divorce, even though divorces began to occur, even though divorces still happen today for various reasons, that was not the plan of God from the beginning. He did not get to a point later in life or later in the life of the world and humans and go, well, what am I going to do now? What am I going to create or what's going to happen? No, that was not his plan from the beginning because marriage is important to God. Also, marriage is serious. You know, I think this may be part of the problem as we think about these first two points together, but, but we have made it less important. We have made it less serious, whether that's the influence of the world, whether that's the influence of our government and things like no-fault divorces that are now certainly just easy to obtain. Maybe it's the ease of marriage, right? That people can just run to the courthouse or run off. And I'm not suggesting there be some long procedure or that you have to come to a church building or, or anything like that. But it seems like we've made things easier and easier so it's less important and it's less serious. But without a doubt, not only considering the first point, the first point that it be, begins and ends with a wedding, that it's talked about in several other illustrations with God, that it is important, but that it is also very serious. When we think about marriage, marriage is, as we might call it, a one-shot proposition. There are some God-given exceptions, don't get me wrong, and for the sake of our time this morning, we're not going to delve into everything regarding marriage and divorce and remarriage and all of those things. But what I couldn't help but think about and consider as I was thinking about this lesson is the idea that we mention multiple times, or at least I do, certainly standing up here, extending heaven's invitation, right? Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday night, we stand here and we do that. And I mention multiple times that I am thankful, as I think that you are, that the first time that we mess up after we become a Christian, God doesn't just strike us dead, right? So even Christianity, in a sense, faithfulness, in a sense, is not a, a one-shot proposition because we're not struck dead when we mess up. Marriage, though, intended by God, is so serious that it's meant to be a one-time thing. In Matthew chapter 19, and I don't know if you've turned there already, but as you look at Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 6, Jesus says, So then they are no longer two, but one flesh, and a very important phrase here, therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. That's the plan. That's the idea. Let not man separate what God has put together. And of course, though, in verse number nine, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries, marries her who is divorced commits adultery. We're going to get into it a little more this afternoon in, in our lesson and dig into this passage a little bit more. I don't want to uh, leave too much undone or, or run you off or, or have you, you know, understand that there's more here that we could talk about if we had time in this lesson this morning. But when we think about marriage, this was God's plan. One man and one woman for one lifetime. And we even sometimes say, according to Matthew 19 here, there is one exception by which God has made a plan. But it is that important and it is that serious and shame on us in a very large way I mean that of course shame on our world for making it not important for making it not serious because we take then again this divinely created institution and we make it something that we control that we are in charge of and we treat it as not important and we treat it sometimes as being not very serious 
You know, the thing about this lesson and the illustration that I gave you to begin with of 70 years of marriage, and of course the fact that it is more than a flip of a coin. It's more than taking a quarter in your hands and flipping it and saying, well, it's just a 50-50 shot. And this man, this preacher, this story, thinking about his grandmother and his grandparents, all I could think about is marriage is work. Marriage is work. It is a lot of work. And I don't think that we mean to make it that it's, it's all fun and games or, or take it lightly on purpose sometimes, but we do. When we sometimes treat marriage as something that is not work. Maybe we should teach our children and think about marriage in a, such a way that it's not a, a Cinderella story. Now, before you attack the stage here, understand I know that the Cinderella story is the epitome of happy endings, right? And there's not just the Cinderella story, but there's all the romantic comedies of the world, which, which make it seem like things always end with a happy ending. But maybe that's not the best way to describe marriage sometimes, especially to our, our young people. So some dad says, well, I want my daughter to be a princess. I, I got it. But do you remember what Cinderella's biggest problem was, right? It was a lost shoe, right? I mean, it was a lost shoe was her biggest problem. And, and, and her, her other problems involved talking mice and, and midnight, if I remember correctly, right? And if you think about marriage today, the most of Cinderella's today, their problem's not a lost shoe, but it's having too many shoes and not knowing which pair she's going to wear, right? That's the problem in today when we think about that kind of story. Her problem is not talking mice, but she just wants everybody to be quiet around her so she can have a few moments of peace. And, of course, it's not midnight, but it's that witching hour of 2.30 in the morning when the baby needs fed and another kid's up vomiting in the living room. That's the Cinderella story sometimes, right? Prince Charming doesn't get to go looking across the land for his long-lost love. He simply spends his life looking for his car keys and his wallet that he's lost again. And he's not looking for his underwear and his socks because those are right by the dirty clothes basket in the floor instead of in the dirty clothes basket where they're supposed to be. And there's no fairy godmother that's bringing magic. There's often a, sometimes a mother-in-law that's just bringing grief to the marriage, right? It's not always a Cinderella story. We love the, the pomp and circumstance. We love the beauty. But when we think about a, a Walt Disney version, animated kind of story, that's not the way that life often works. You know, maybe it's my problem because I'm a guy and I like sports. But I, I couldn't help but think of something more along the lines of like the Rocky movies, right? Many of you have seen and like the Rocky movies. Do you remember how the first Rocky movie ends? He doesn't win, right? He actually loses because it's not always happy endings. Now, maybe as you think about that franchise, if you've seen all of those, maybe that's a better picture because there are losses, but there are happy endings and wins. And life is more like this match and this struggle that sometimes it's great and happy, but other times it's often simply a lot of work. Think about what the Bible has to say about marriage. Almost every encouragement is to put yourself second. And you know what we do with that? We struggle. We struggle with that. Turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It may be a well-worn place because when we talk about marriage, that's where we go to. Right? We talk about the wonderful things about marriage and, and love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But do you remember the characteristics of love that Paul mentions here? Love is patient. We struggle with our patience sometimes. Love is kind. We, are, we can be kind people. We're Christians. But we sometimes are not very kind to those who are closest to us. Love does not envy. 
I don't care who you are in here this morning or whoever hears this lesson, but you'd be lying if you said you're not envious at some point. Maybe you're not an envious person all the time, but we struggle sometimes with envy. You say, well, it's not the person next to me. It's not their boat. It's not their house. It's not their decorations. Sometimes it's our own spouse that we envy. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love does not behave rudely. Does that sound like anything in your life or your marriage? Love is not self-seeking. What we do as humans oftentimes is we want what we want. We want to be sure that we have the comforts of this life. And so we seek after what we want. Marriage is without a doubt work. It's why we take that description of flipping a coin and say it's not the flip of a coin. It's the flip of a wheel. It takes effort. That doesn't mean that it's bad or that it's difficult or that you shouldn't want to do it. But it does mean that we need to understand that first of all it's important to God. And because of that or in connection it is very, very serious. But then also, also connected here, it's work. And everybody says, well, it's too late for me. I'm already married, but you're not making something that I think I want to ever think about again. All these kids are thinking, I think I'll pass on getting married one day. But of course, let me help you understand, as the Bible also teaches, that marriage is also, without a doubt, wonderful. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And the other word that I kept coming back to as I thought about this lesson is, it's rewarding. It's rewarding, often. That doesn't mean it's not work. It doesn't mean there aren't lows. There aren't losses in difficult times. But it is wonderful. It is also very rewarding. I was thinking about it this way. It is one of the great joys in life. It really is. It's one of the great joys in life to love and to be loved, to be married. But not only that, marriage brings about other great joys in life, right? It brings about children. It brings about grandchildren. It brings about in-laws and other family and relationship that you get to know and love and they love you. It can be very, very rewarding and wonderful. And I think that the Bible paints that picture as well. It is important, it is serious, and yes, it is also work. But it is also very, very wonderful. So the question then becomes as we think about this, is it hard or is it rewarding? You know, when we talk about it being wonderful, we realize that we are a part of something that is more than ourselves, right? That's what it is. You become something where you are almost outside of yourself, so connected with someone. And it's this beautiful picture that we read about in the Bible. You know, as well as I know, that God created us to be in relationships. First and foremost, he created us to be in a relationship with him. So relationships are important. When you think about the things that you need in life, someone to love you, someone to care for you, someone maybe even to provide for you, someone to confide in, someone to talk to, God has provided a way for that. That's through marriage. It can be through friendships. It can also be through the church, but it is through marriage that you are more than yourself and it becomes something that is so very rewarding and so very wonderful when we think about this and you keep saying well you know what preacher you keep making it sound like it's very hard and it's a lot of work and it's not something that i think that i want to do and it's something i want to be a part of doesn't god want me to be happy that's what some people say when it comes to this question about not only marriage but also divorce sometimes they say doesn't god want me to be happy well i got a news flash for you to begin 
Marriage is not about our happiness. Marriage is not about our happiness. You may have heard that before. You may have been in marriage where it wasn't very happy at some times, and you sort of felt that. But from a, a large overview perspective, I need you to understand that while it is work and it is rewarding and it can be both of those things at different times, we need to understand that marriage is not about our happiness. We can be and it should be happy and you'll go through the happy and the sad. One of my favorite things to do is to do weddings, to perform wedding ceremonies, because it is such a happy occasion and there's such a happy life to look forward to. But even knowing that, marriage is not about our happiness. Take a look on the other hand, and some people sometimes say when they're frustrated and they're wanting to get divorced, they say, doesn't God want me to be happy? The newsflash of the Bible is God says that marriage is not about happiness, but marriage is actually about holiness. Marriage is not about our happiness, but it is actually about our holiness. Marriage is a way in which we honor God. Marriage is a way in which we are to be a picture of Jesus and the church. Marriage is a way in which we can evangelize to the world around us. That we can show forth good things. You know, we kind of go through this dichotomy sometimes of social media. And somebody says, well, you know... When a, a woman, maybe a mother, only puts up pictures of vacation and going on trips together and how happy they seem to be, that's not real life, you know? That's not true. That's not the way life works. And I bet they're fighting all the time behind the scenes. They just never put those pictures up, right? Well, as we've kind of talked to and, and thought about that, I, I, that can certainly be true. Some people can put up a false front and make it seem like their life is so great when in reality it's full of turmoil. But somebody once said, should Christians not put forth that things are good, that life here can be good, that marriage can be good, that parenting can be good? If I saw a Christian who was complaining about having to go to services, who was complaining about having to, to do these other things or not getting to do these other things, I would say, well, I don't want to be a part of that. If I was a person who knew a Christian who was always complaining about their spouse, always fussing about how they're always arguing, always complaining about their kids and how much trouble they are and how difficult and tired they are and how, how things are just so hard, I would say, I don't want to be a part of that. Because we should put forth the idea that marriage is wonderful and we can be happy while also understanding that it's not solely about our happiness. It is about our faithfulness. It is about our holiness Marriages that are happy are marriages that are kingdom-centered, centered on God and centered on Jesus. Then they can be both holy and a picture to the world and also happy at the same time. That's what we should strive to show people, that it is important, that it is serious, that yes, it is work, but also it is very rewarding and also fulfilling. Think with me for just a moment about the beautiful picture of marriage that is found in Genesis chapter 2. I know you've heard this countless times before in the wedding ceremonies and in various things, but there is a wonderful, wonderful picture of marriage in Genesis chapter 2. And listen to what I'm saying, a beautiful picture of marriage, not just the marriage taking place. Because what we read about is that God creates one. God creates one man that then he 
splits into two, male and female, that then he joins back together to become one. You might could say one becomes two becomes one. What was once one, God separated into two, and then he joins back together in one. And the encouragement from Matthew chapter 19, and of course throughout all of the Bible is, let not man separate. Again, we think sometimes that we're in charge of marriage, that we've got it all figured out, and that marriage is about us and our happiness. Marriage is about our holiness and showing forth to the world the holy God, the holy Son of God, and his beautiful bride, the church. You know, when we think about marriage, there is this beautiful picture here. And I would even suggest to you this morning that marriage is not for everyone. I understand that. This is not a, a selling process. If you're here and not married today, I'm not trying to tell you that it's something everybody has to do. Marriage is not for everyone. There are God-given exceptions sometimes where marriage does not work for everyone. And that's a discussion that can be had as well. But marriage can also be very, very wonderful, very, very rewarding. It should be something that we seek to be a part of. And if you are here this morning and you're thinking about getting married, you need to understand these principles. If you're here this morning and you are married, you need to think about and maybe put into practice these principles in your marriage and strive to be happy, yes, but to also be the picture of holiness to the world. When we think about this, when we think about how wonderful it is, God has blessed us with this great institution. When the two, when the one becomes two, and then God joins them back together again, we need to understand that that is God approved, it is regulated by God, and let not man separate. When we think about marriage, it is more than just a flip of the coin. What it takes is it takes two people who are acting out and showing the world that heaven is the goal and that they're going to do all they can to get there. You don't need to be reminded, but even as important as marriage is, we do not stand before the judgment seat of Christ as a couple. We stand individually. It's why we can end the lesson this morning thinking about God's simple plan of salvation because he's given us this wonderful way in which he has shown love and we can show love, but then he also has reminded us that we are to stand before Christ on our own and we have to be obedient. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, we will sing in just a moment to encourage you to participate in a marriage of sorts by becoming a part of the church. This morning, you're added to the church by the Lord when you are obedient to God's simple plan of salvation. Maybe you're here this morning and you've done that in times past, but you've wandered away. You realize that your life is amiss in the same way that sometimes in our life we struggle with faithfulness. Some people struggle with faithfulness to their partner or their spouse. Sometimes we do as well when it comes to our relationship with God and with Christ. You don't have to stay in that condition. You can come back to God through repentance, confession, and prayer. We're thankful for the institution of marriage. We're thankful for the institution of the church. We're thankful for the wonderful picture that we see both in the Bible and we see carried out in the marriages here in this congregation, among Christians, and all throughout the world. It's important, it's serious, it is work, but it's also wonderfully rewarding at times. 
and we causes us to think about our relationship with God. That's where you need to be right this morning, first and foremost. And if you're not right with God, become a Christian or come back to Him, even now as we stand together and as we sing.